this? Yeah, a little light, little light, uh, you know, <laughs> rude, ruminating on uh, what ifs, how, what, if? what to do, how to handle it. <laughs> nice. I was training. Did you train at all this? Uh... Yeah, I've been uh, been back at jujitsu. I yeah. I missed uh, I, I missed uh, Muay Thai a little bit because uh, my Tuesday got super busy, so I wasn't able to link up with the. Uh, friends up in at pack ring yesterday actually I went to the giants game yesterday you did so, how's, how's the giant how's the uh how's everything i haven't been to a fucking giants game in forever well well it's good you know it was um you know weekday baseball games aren't as crowded obviously because everyone's got work the next day but also um warriors game four was yesterday as well Ooh. so i don't think there were as many people at the game because there are a lot of people just at home uh, watching the Warriors get waxed <laughs> by yeah, the Mavs. I mean, but uh, you know, yeah, we we're up three zero, or th we're up three one now. But anyway, so went to the Giants game. The, the game was super wild. Not to bore anybody, uh, because this isn't a baseball podcast. But <laughs> it was a walk off hit by Brandon Crawford. So that the game was just had ups and downs and twists and turns. It was it was a good time. It was a good time. But uh, but yeah, so been uh, back at jujitsu mostly, but. One of the things I noticed, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how after I do my training, mm -hmm. I used to do the exercises and some calisthenic stuff after training yeah. just to kind of help the body maintain. I've just been wondering why the past few weeks, like I get home after jujitsu and I'm just like super tired and it's like, what's going on? I said, oh yeah, well, number one, yeah, I'm getting older, but number two, I'm also doing a little bit more after classes than I'm used to. <laughs> so oh. I'm recovering from the get better exercises that are necessary for me to continue training. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the main struggle right now, but I'm feeling good. You know, my body's feeling healthy. Haven't been, uh, haven't gotten hurt. So that's always a good thing. How's yeah. training going for you? Uh, doing okay. Uh, I went, I actually trained last night and uh, woke up kind of sore and tired. Uh, there was a jujitsu, I think a BJJ tour uh, over the, Oh, last weekend, last right? weekend that a bunch yeah, of people yeah. did, and that's right, that's right. Uh, only one of our guys competed in in that. Uh, my friend uh, or my training partner Ken Ken Jenk, and uh, congrats to him. He took gold in his division. Obviously, it's a white belt division, but you know this guy is probably up to upwards at like 190 something pounds. So he's a big guy, um, and I noticed that when when white belts, especially white belts that big, when they go against each other, it's like two walruses, like. <laughs> like I'm not saying that he's fat because he's he's in shape, but um he did take home gold, so congrats to you, Ken. Um and anyone else that competed uh over the weekend. Uh, there's some people from Evolve that I was talking to, the uh, jujitsu coach over at Evolve, uh, where a bunch of uh, some of the kids competed as well and they ended up getting gold as well. So shout out to them. But uh uh yeah, yesterday was a good training session. Um Travis's uh post uh, knee surgery because he's been hindering a, a a really bad knee injury for the longest time and he finally got surgery so you know these jujitsu teachers or these jujitsu instructors even though they have a bum knee they can't stay down man like so he's still doing shit because obviously it's still a new gym at this point and he needs to rest rest travis because goddamn man we need you back but uh, other than yeah, that, yeah, the, the aggravating things. Yeah, other than that, I feel it feels good to 
just be training kind of semi-consistently and um, just keep, I'm, I'm just learning a lot of new things. I'm just trying to take in whatever teachings that, that he is teaching. And we've been working a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stand-up stuff, which is not a lot, not a lot of uh, jiu-jitsu schools really teach uh, the stand-up position. And, you know, that's something we've been, we've been doing for a pretty long time. So, you know, my takedowns are, you know, they're terrible, but I also have some good anti takedowns as well, but you know, the fucking, Wait, wait. So when you grab somebody and I sit down on the ground, that doesn't count as a take. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I'm holding on to your wrist and I just flop flop my ass to the ground, that doesn't count as a takedown. I I thought the cast was taking so. You know, in some fucking in some (laughs) jujitsu competitions, they take points away by pulling guard. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. I know. I heard about that. That's crazy. um, which, you know, I have mixed feelings about that. But uh, before you step on, so you you mentioned, uh, uh, I think it's the America Cup last weekend. Yeah. Is that what yeah, it yeah. is? It was Yeah, so uh, let me shout out my teammate, Matt, yeah. who won gold in his division. Congrats, man. And let me also shout out uh, the Joshu, uh, which is like a kind of a senior instructor over at Sama Martial Arts in Pinole. Mm-hmm. He's a blue belt, Ryan Hamada. He won gold in his division. Ooh. Uh, so Sensei John's student, uh, congratulations, Ryan. Congrats, Ryan. His first gold in uh, in uh, competition. But uh, let me ask you this: if You mm-hmm. observed these uh, tournaments, yeah. just real quick. Uh, there was one time years ago, me and a buddy, Jose, he's a, a black belt, also over at Coaldo uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, where I train. Mm-hmm. He, uh, we were just watching these white belts and these blue belts go at it on on <laughs> this one tournament. I forgot which one it was. And we're watching, we're getting entertained, we're watching, this like the action's fast and furious, everyone's in great shape, movement's good. But we just kind of looked at each other afterwards and said, you know, aren't you glad you didn't compete as much as a white and a blue belt? <laughs> because we're looking at each other, like, looking at how these guys move now, I'm like, Dude. I would have just gotten hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I would have just gotten hurt and just been beat up and just not have been the same if I were training for these tournaments yeah, as a white and blue belt. Now, I'm not trying to discourage any white and blue belts from, from t- competing. By all means, do so. I'm just saying the times have changed. I think the quality of athlete is better. I think the intensity is higher, at least to my eyes. That's what it looks like. I'm just, I'm just, if I were a white belt and blue belt today, I'm just not cut out to compete. (laughs) I'll just say that right now. Just be lucky. I'm not cut out to be a competitor at the white belt and blue belt division. (laughs) Just be lucky that, yeah, that you, you already have a black belt and that you're not getting started in these times, especially with all the, BJJ fanatics and all the information. Oh, the, all access. these new moves. Oh, yeah. you gotta be training like twice a day to yeah. keep up with these guys. Well, yeah. Speaking of twice a day, let me ask you. So you said you've been training in the evening. Uh, it's been a mix because okay, my my schedule right now, like, I mean, we, I mean, you you know it firsthand. Like, I always have to put off the podcast a day or two late, and right, you know, right. I've just well, been a little bit busy, but uh, yeah. So I I, it, I have to get in whenever I can. All right, let me ask you because you know, like my school is the same way. We have mm-hmm. like morning classes, kind of like lunchtime classes and yeah. evening classes as well. I I do the morning lunchtime hour class. That's the only time I could fit it in. Uh, but I was at, our, at least at our school. Sometimes everyone's cool. Like yeah. morning people cool, evening people cool. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like there was a different vibe from the morning crew than oh, there is from the totally, evening crew. Totally. And, 
And I used to joke the, the way it was, it's the reason why like there was a different vibe is because the morning slash afternoon crew, it's like people that are able to get their lunch break mm-hmm. or they work from home and they're kind of more chill. So there's less kind of on their plate and everyone kind of takes their time. Meanwhile, the evening crew, it's people who got off of work. And so they're they're kind of exercising all those work oh, demons yeah. on the mat. So you could feel the stress on the mat. <laughs> There's like more of a catharsis that happens totally, in yeah. evening sparring. I don't know if you feel that if that if that's the same at your gym. Oh. If you've noticed anything like that. 100%. I noticed that in the afternoons it's a little bit more calm and that's where I can really work uh kind of the stuff I've learned in the the week prior or learned the night before or something like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, and, and mind you, my, the feeling when that I get when I train uh, at night, I'm always nervous because you just never know what's going to happen. And you know, you don't know who's going to be there. You don't know what's what to expect. And in the afternoons, I know what to expect. And I know that I can kind of just wor- work on tech rather than, uh, you know, be aggressive when, when that's the case at night. So right. I totally understand. I hundred percent, hundred percent understand that. Me, me and an old training partner uh, used to have a joke because he was an evening guy. And, you know, once in a while he'd come in on the afternoons and he, he would joke. He goes, wow, you afternoon, you, you morning guys, you really are. You guys are really technical. And then he'd, and then he'd pause, he'd pause, he'd really technical but you're not really in great shape <laughs> because I guess in the <laughs> evening they did a lot more like calisthenic warm-ups and things like that. Yeah. They're typically so, longer, right? The, the so night classes. I, I, uh, well, in our, our gym, they're the same amount of time, mm. but I think the focus tends to be different just because the vibe tends yeah. to be different. And so the running joke between us was like, Wow, you evening guys, you guys are in really great shape, but your technique is really shitty. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, goof on each other that way. Yeah. But I always wondered if that was kind of the the shared experience at other oh, gyms. Oh, yeah, man. I, I totally see it. There was even a point where I was tra- training, like, in the even morning to afternoon class. That's a, there's a difference in that, too. But, uh, you know, that's one thing we don't have. We don't have a 6 a.m. class. Yeah. You guys have like a 6 a.m. We class? do, we do. And it's right. only, I think, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I believe. Or Monday, Wednesday is the you know, super early one, yeah. You know, at a ton of jujitsu gyms, that's, that 6 a.m. hour is super popular. Oh, yeah. Like so many people like getting their their training in before they go into work. Yep. And then they, they don't have to worry about cramming it later for the lunch hour. Smart. Or yeah. after, after work. You know? And if a gym can do it, uh, you know, go for it. You know what? Are there showers over at uh? At you know, your finally, yes, there is a shower, and I, I think, love that. I think that's what helps having a six a.m. class because then six a.m. Let's say the the class is maybe like an hour long. Mm-hmm. Jump in the shower real quick, then head off to work. Yeah. I think that's what's essential to make a six a.m. class uh, viable for a gym. I agree. Yeah, that's the one thing. That's the one thing we don't have. We don't have a shower at our spot. Yeah. Um. People have to bring the the baby wipes and just wipe that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess if that's if that's the way you want to shower, go ahead and <laughs> use up all your baby wipes on your wipes on your sweaty freaking <laughs> face. <laughs> um, yeah. hey, here's a here's a quick question I want to sure. ask. So I was at the I was at the baseball game, and by the way, shout out to my buddy my boy Ray, um, who's at Arik Harbinel four and five on on Instagram. Uh, 
his uh, wife uh, had season tickets, so uh, she, she so she gave gave them to us for that day. And what a great friend. Then their um, then their seats are right on on the right field wall arcade. So if you don't know oh, Oracle yeah, Park, yeah. it's where like home runs are hit over into the water. So we had like three home runs go our direction that day. It was awesome. But I was also with you know looking at the seats and I was kind of looking at the area. And I had this thought also when I was at a restaurant a couple of weeks ago. But do you have you ever <laughs> done like situational training in any type, any time during your martial arts training? Because you know, we you think about using martial arts for self-defense. Yeah. So you walk into a martial arts gym, typically it's either like a mat space or maybe even like a boxing ring is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never walk into a martial arts gym and in the middle of of the mat, there's a bunch of tables or chairs or steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, it's like, oh, these moves we learn, typically you, you're learning them in, in a quote-unquote ideal environment mm-hmm. to perform the move, right? Because safety is super important in your training. But what if you can't be completely safe? What if you're in a movie theater? You know, and what what if you're on steps and or on a steep incline in a sporting event, yeah. or you're in a crowded restaurant and bar? Like, are you training the types of moves that are relevant to <laughs> those types of environments? You, know, you think about this, like, how would you adapt your movements to where you're at? That's a good question. And right when you brought that up, I was like, okay, what would I train if we're doing some real world jujitsu? things and i think the one thing that i would do just the one thing that comes to mind right off the bat do a flying arm bar right but then i'd land my <laughs> back on the table so that i have the angle and he's still standing up but then my arm bar is so wet <laughs> that the table is providing all the angle i need to break that arm there you go that's pretty good, actually. That's pretty good. That's it's just like this is you know you, by that <laughs> argument you could say that practicing flying R bars in a crowded restaurant is actually safer yeah. than on a mat in a jujitsu gym because you have tables to land there on. You land go. on. Okay. <laughs> I'm always thinking about how to use everything around, around me oh, some as a weapon. Shit. Oh, okay. no, no, not no, no, not that fancy. More like throwing. <laughs> people on top of the edges of seats uh the edges putting their face onto like the back of a bench you know what i mean that's where my mind goes but i like your idea yours is much more fun (laughs) but i was always thinking about like like oh shit like if you overcommit on a move and you're in like say like a uh, like a steep incline like a sporting event yeah Right, you overcommit to a move. Yeah, it's you're, you're super easy to tumble. Yeah, yeah, it is super easy to tumble. Yeah, how do you counter you know? that? Well, I, 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 you know, sometimes you watch some of these like weird videos where people get into fights at these sporting events, and like the easiest move is to grab someone's shirt and start punching, 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 oh, and like, like I never see any. Style? Yeah, and it's just like, oh, you know what? That's actually really smart. <laughs> what would you do in that situation? So, say you're at a game. And you guys have a, you know, you guys have a disagreement and you're the bigger man. You're like, you know what, dude, this is not worth it. You know, let me just enjoy the rest of the game. But you guys don't leave because, you know, you paid for these tickets, right? And this is the scenario. So the guy stands up. You, uh, you guys get into like this thing because he's touching you. You know, he's like grabbing, he's like, he's like pushing you. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, leave me alone or shit's going to go down. All of a sudden he grabs you 
Now you can finish this. I'll always take the higher ground. Okay. So I'm I'm stepping over my seat to go mm-hmm. up to the row behind me. Mm-hmm. And then just I'll work everything from there. I always notice as soon as you give up the higher ground, then you are at a complete disadvantage oh, yeah. because they have their weight over the top of you. And you're the one that's always thinking about, oh, shit, I'm going to fall. Oh, shit, I'm going to fall. I think the one exception to this, of, <laughs> this is like a, this is kind of famous in basketball. Two fans getting to a fight. This Phoenix Suns fan actually had the lower ground, but he beat the shit out of these two Denver Nuggets fans, <laughs> basically, basically by grabbing their shirts and punching the shit out of them. And then this is what the, <laughs> and then at the end of punching them, he looked, he looked at them and he'd go, Sons and Four. <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh, and I, I saw that. Him. He's yeah, the yeah. Sons and Four guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And he actually was in the row below these two yokels. And so that's like the one exception. But he was he had some swagger about him because he was not worried about these two fools uh, at all. So, but me, I would be all about getting the higher ground. Do whatever happens, I'm gonna step up to the row behind me and I'm gonna be in a position where I wanna be able to look down at whoever I'm getting into yeah. some shit with because like the whole falling and and whatnot, that's that's a real danger. That's a real danger, you know. How about this? How about like getting into a fight like in a, at a pool party. <laughs> so there's like, you know, those like cabanas yeah. and those little like uh, lounge chairs yeah, next yeah, to the yeah. pool. And then, and then there's the pool itself. I mean, have you ever seen any shit go down in something like that? Yeah. I mean, back when I used to go to Vegas a bunch, there was, there's always something going down. You know, people are stupid. They're either on fucking Yayo or they're on Molly's yeah. and they think they're freaking tough. And the one thing that I do notice is that once people get into the clinch or when they start kind of like throwing shots, they're throwing a hundred percent all the time, or they're grabbing a hundred percent of the time. And they're not really looking at their feet position. And that's when it starts to look like too, like, like too inexperienced, like children fighting each other. And it turns into a wrestling match and it, it's not, uh, eye candy at all regarding like fighting or anything like that. There's always some dumb shit that happens where they fall down. They they're wearing slippers or they're like mm. it's some dumb shit. And you know, almost all, almost never, uh, they never fall into the pool, which I always wanted to see. But I always feel like that's where that's another thing. Okay, so you're like you stand up clinching, yeah. like someone's pulling hair. <laughs> someone's the, pulling. You fall into the pool. Yeah. Like, all right, have you ever trained, like, defending yourself in a pool? Yeah, I know that. I mean, like, do people just stop fighting? Oh, we're in the pool. Okay, let's get out of the pool. And, okay, we're cooled out now. We're not going to fight or we continue it or we continue in the pool. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, these are these code of conduct things I don't think people think about when they think about, like, oh, shit, I'm about to get into some shit at this pool party. Yeah. That's true. You know how to the anti how your anti wrestling might be good. How's your anti drowning technique? Yep. How's your anti drowning, Sean? Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. I, like, I knew how to like, swim pretty early on, but uh, yo, that's good. You know, maybe that's where lifeguard training would come into effect yep. because they train like what to do because people panic when they start drowning. Oh yeah. So they train what to do so that like someone who's like stuff like uh struggling in the water doesn't drown you so maybe you need to learn those techniques you know what i mean if you want to continue like throwing down in the pool because 
I'd be scared of that. I'd be scared of like oh, someone trying to drown me. Dude, I, you know, I'd be I, scared I, of someone trying to drown me if I if they're actually yeah. trying to fight me for real. Or if you're the one drowning them, you just pull guard. And yeah, you, exactly. you already have the lungs. You have the lungs. Just pull them down all the way down. So Start elbowing. Hope, so you're just hoping that you can hold your breath <laughs> yeah, longer exactly. than they can? Okay. <laughs> just rest your heart rate. You'll be good. You know? You'll be okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I, well, if you know, one of the funnier videos on this is Boss Rutten's self-defense series. I love me and Me and my friends, yeah, probably your friends too, probably always joke about that. He talks about like, you know, using things around you as uh, as a means to defend yourself. Edges of bars, picking up tables, being aware of someone holding a knife. So uh, I don't know how practical. I mean, I'm pretty sure it is practical. I advise everyone check that out just for sheer entertainment because Boss oh, Rudin yeah. is a fantastic storyteller, fantastic storyteller, fantastic entertainer while he's oh, showing yeah. these techniques. Pure entertainment by itself. Uh, boss room shout out self-defense <laughs> speaking of self-defense ton of fights well not a ton of fights but there was some there were some fights over the weekend yeah yeah let's go over it yeah. uh you want to go over uh let's go over the holly Disc- home let's go over the holly okay. home caitlin because we have to address this like right off the bat yeah 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 i want to know who you thought won this fight i i thought holly home did enough to win uh, I know that in the judges' scorecards, Caitlin Vera won a split decision, but I thought Holly Holm did enough to win. She did more, I think, in terms of what should score, what scores under under MMA's mixed martial arts unified rules uh, in terms of effective striking and effective grappling, and 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 then you could give her. Uh, aggression and octagon control as well yeah i think if you were to give caitlin Vieira, you maybe you could give her the second round yeah because of a what a, a couple of us uh, effective uh exchanges for her but i thought holly home won the fight and i think she was the victim of what happens with a lot of judges where they get seduced by head strikes alone yeah. Where they, they feel like if someone is getting hit in the head at any one time, they're automatically losing that exchange. I don't like that whereas, where, whereas I don't agree with yeah. that type of judgment. Uh, and I think, that, I think that's what happened. I think that, and we could talk about the strategy later on, I think just Holly Holm gets hit in the head a couple of times on these, on these exchanges and the judges awarded Caitlin Vera uh, the points on those exchange. Well, what did you see? I saw the same, man. I thought Holly Holm had a lot more control. Uh, I mean, if you look at the stats, uh, significant strikes, um, control time, it all leans to Holly Holm. A lot of experts are saying, you know, it was, you know, it was a close fight, but they weren't really mad at the decision. I mean, Caitlin Vera didn't. I mean, if you listen to her her corner, they were even saying that she was down. Like, I think yeah, she was they, down like three one at some point, and then. Um, well, it was definitely a style of fight that uh, Caitlin's corner did not want her to be yeah, in. Yeah, because if you, you know, look at maybe the, they, yeah, go ahead. The, the clinching and you know Holly Holm did a good job of negating Caitlin's hands and just kind of laying, kind of laying on her on the fence, and it, it kind of sucks how. I feel like Holly 
had the striking advantage no matter what. And she, I mean, there was a lot at stake, I'm sure, because, you know, this is her first fight back in a few years and or a couple of years. And Caitlin Vera, Vera's riding a, a, a win streak and there's there's a ranking involved in this. In this. And I, I felt maybe Holly Holm played a little too safe when, when I thought she could have probably dominated and even get a takedown at least, you know. And that just wasn't the case. So I, I, you know, I say that Holly Holm won that fight, but I mean, what can you do? Judging is, has been a, a black eye in this sport for a really long time. And I think it's going to take maybe a bunch of people to kind of uh, get this thing corrected because, you know, every time someone says, Oh, don't, don't leave your, you know, don't leave the, the car to the judges because, you know, you just don't want to do that. You want to, you know, perform and knock people out and whatnot. But it's, you know, everyone has to kind of come together, whether it's like Dana White, Joe Rogan, or any of the the, the big famous people in in this sport. They need to correct this. I know that uh, Dana White has no control over the athletic commissions that are over the state, but I think if they brought it to the attention of the entire world, they can they can come to some sort of conclusion because if you think about it these are the same judges as the boxing judges and boxing judges are terrible like they they're obviously they've obviously got their hand in the pot somehow and they've ruined so many different fights and the judging thing happens every fight there's always one fight that's just like what the fuck i mean granted not all of them are high profile but it's a problem yeah i don't think famous people are going to do this no, like dana white rogan the big because like that's that ship has sailed yeah. That ship has sailed because they've complained about it for a while. I mean, the only, so I'm going to put the X on whether Dana yeah. White or, or Schmo, totally Schmo Hogan could do anything about it. Um, I think it's going to be a situation where like people that train or people who really are passionate about the sport actually get into get involved with these commissions and become judges and become referees and become timekeepers. Yeah. Uh, and I just think it's one of those career paths that people that are already involved in the sport don't really automatically look to, because if you want to stay involved in the sport, people usually think of themselves as wanting to be a coach, trainer, or gym owner. Yeah. They don't think about getting into getting involved with their state's athletic commission. Yeah. And so I think it's just one of those situations where they should start looking into that as a viable career path as a way of kind of changing that. But uh, uh, that aside, something that probably won't change for another 10 years, going back to the fight itself, uh, I felt it was an interesting uh, choice of strategy for Holly Holm. You know, yeah. she in her previous fight, she had shown uh, solid grappling ability, but yeah. she's mainly a striker and a counter-striker. And in this fight, right off the bat, she wanted to go into the clinch and kind of work from there. And she was very effective from there, especially seeing as that Caitlin's supposedly the more seasoned grappler and yeah. the more decorated grappler. Especially as a I thought, it, I, I thought it was interesting. And I thought it was the right strategy, but too soon. I think I think that was a strategy she should have used from round three onward. Whereas round runs in one and two, she should have been more of the distance fighter so that uh, Caitlin Vera would have been more frustrated. Because I think right after the grappling, when the exchanges were, were when they were broken off in the clinch, 
and then they went back into the striking. Because of all that grappling, it really slowed Holly down. Yeah. And it showed in her movement. Like she she could still fire, but she just wasn't as sharp. And I think the grappling like tired her out. Yeah. It, it should have been out. the other and way it, around though, right? Like Yeah, and I think it yeah. showed her age. And oh, I'm yeah, wondering and, so and, right. And then here's here's something, here's a question I'll pose to you. Mm -hmm. Did she go to the grappling first because she's older, because she knows she's not as fast as, he, as she used to be? And so she just needed to turn it into a clinch fight first to slow Caitlin down a little bit. I'm thinking maybe yes, but it's very unlike her. It's very unlike Holly Holmes because she was never known as, as a grappler. And you can hear her coach, Izzy, with Izzy Rust, you know, Izzy style. He was, you know, you can hear him the most because, you know, when they were getting to the clinch, the clinch exchanges and they were both getting tired. But maybe, what if there was an injury? What if there was, uh, it could be a number of things. like, Right. Um, but I think if it were an injury, well, we're recording this on Wednesday. The fight happened Saturday. Yeah. We would have heard something by That's now. That's true. Like someone would would have leaked a thing about like, well, I heard she did Camp, this with her shoulder or her knee. Or... Yeah, yeah. And Holly's so such a pro. She you never yeah. hear it from her. But, but it was just someone like her. Someone from her. Yeah. I I and also again, like maybe she chose that style because it's a, a style that allows you to be slower. You don't have to be as fast, obviously, in the clinch. You have to be technical. Um yeah. and then again, the 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 clinch did slow down her striking a little bit, even though she was still effective there. Yeah. But I also noticed when she, when Holly would go in with her punch combinations, usually she her opponent, land. well, no, well, usually her opponent isn't quick enough to catch her on the way out yeah, and hit her on the way out. But That's here, true. like Holly, Holly would come in with her, her flurry of punches, but then she would stay on the same attack line as Caitlin and Caitlin would just throw a right hand and she would tag Holly a few times and she would get, get her off of those exchanges. Yeah. And I think that's what the judges were giving Caitlin credit for. Um, and Holly is usually off of that line or she's out of there and out of that range. And I just think, you know, 40 years old, she still has the technique, but certain yeah. things are just not in the tank right now. I totally agree, man. Kaylin Vieira is only 30 years old and Holly Holmes 40. I mean, maybe that's why she uh maybe that's why she she went to that game plan. Maybe she thought Kaylin yeah, was just Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. She's just too like, young. It's just, and, it's just a way to slow the game down for you. So what and, what what happens to Holly Holm now? Like Kaylin Vieira, I I'm looking at the rankings now. She moved up three spots. So she's number two, one over Holly Holm. So it goes. Juliana Pena, Pena, uh, champ, uh, number one contender, Amanda Nunes. Then Caitlin Vieira at two, Holly Holm at three, and the list goes on. But what happens next for Holly Holm? Uh, you know, I would say, you know, I would almost say that, like, it kind of depends on what you want to do with Caitlin. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't like a super impressive. Yeah, does that warrant by her Caitlin. a title shot? No. I don't know if people like. I don't know if people are really clamoring to watch Caitlyn fight for the title oh, because dude. she didn't really show that much. And she thought she lost. <laughs> Fuck, I, she was. She shit. was. She was so relieved, right? Yeah. So, she was crying. Um, she was praying. Like that's cool, but the fact that you're supposed to lose and you won, I would be. I'd cry too, though. 
Who who's ranked right below Holly? Is it Raquel? It's, it's Irene Aldana and Aldana Holly beat her last time. Yeah. See, like I mean, I would almost say let Holly fight the loser of, of Nunez Pena. Yeah. Except if you're if the rankings were to mean anything and if you're serious about like honoring the win, you would technically, I would say to build up Caitlin, give her the loser of that. That's a good you know one. What I mean, good and then one. you earn, and then you earn a shot at the title because Caitlyn's got to show something else. Like that fight shouldn't earn Caitlyn a shot at the title yet. No, it was just not compelling on her for her case. So that's that's the way I was saying it. But what do I know? They don't pay me these. <laughs> they don't pay me the big bucks for these kind of things. Was there any other fights that you? Uh... That you thought worked pretty cool on the on that court. Yeah, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus delivered. Michelle Pera. That 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 one delivered. Uh, you know, like that that was kind of a close one too. But um, uh, Pereira got the decision, and I think what 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 made the what made the difference was the power differential. Agreed. Like Ponzinibbio was getting his shots in, but whenever uh, Pereira was able to land his right hand. Like he would displace Ponzinibbio's balance, and the way Ponzinibbio would disengage from the exchanges yeah. always made it look like he was he was uh, being shook by Pereira a little. And so it it was a close one. Like if they gave it if they gave the decision to Ponzinibbio, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was a robbery necessary no. necessarily, but uh, big props to Pereira because remember we were talking last week that Pereira was the wild He's child, right? <laughs> The, yeah, the backflips, the crazy kicks, but he was pretty much under control. Oh yeah, this whole he fight while really still good. staying really yeah. aggressive. He looked really good, and and the gas tank looked like it it held together because that was one of the the things we were watching for with him. Right? Would his explosiveness also mean that he wouldn't have anything left in the tank by the end of the fight? Yeah. But it, he was holding it together, right? And you know, and and. I was waiting that entire fight for Ponzinibbio to be able to land that long, straight right hand. But um, he was finding some success with his left hook. But it was Pereira's right hand that was really finding its yeah. mark and doing more damage, right? Yeah. What'd you see in that fight? I saw it too. Uh, I felt like Michelle Pereira, he just tightened it up so much compared to his other fights. And I think he knew what was at stake at this point because if he were to risk it by doing some crazy shit, he would probably wake up pissed off or whatever but you know you saw you saw you saw shades of it like he was throwing a jumping knee here and there and mm -hmm. um you know it was, but it wasn't like he was he wasn't spamming yeah he attack, wasn't spamming though, right yeah so you know it was funny that i noticed i felt like john anik was getting confused because i was confused too like which I mean, one Michelle was yeah, he was, dude. Like he's he's he called out he called out Ponzinibbio one time, and he was talking about Pereira, and I was like, dude, tell me about it, dude, because I thought they were twins, bro. Well, the the kind of uh, I mean, they have short cropped hair. They have some yeah, dude. They hair, look but, the same, but, dude. They, but uh, Pereira was like almost like a a, a third head taller than Ponzinibbio. Was, I wasn't dude. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that, and that. And that mattered, especially with uh, Pereira's counter right hand, because yeah. whenever Ponzinibbio would go in a little bit with a jab to the body, it really allowed Pereira to punch downward and really use that height advantage 
to add more weight to his right hand as he shook up Ponzinibbio a little bit. And I think Ponzinibbio early on really felt the power differential because when you see him disengage from the exchanges, he looked kind of awkward. It looked like he was almost turning completely sideways away from Barrera, like he, he was trying to completely avoid any contact, which I think, again, is not a super great look to the judges. Now, mind you, by the by the rules, that shouldn't count against you, mm-hmm. but it does because yeah, it, it kind of helps the judges determine what happened in those exchanges that are super fast. Yeah. So if you kind of disengage with a very kind of weak and not solid defensive posture, it makes them think that you got shook up a little bit. Yeah. So that's more on Ponzinibbio not than on the judges. So I told you, blood, it's the freaking broadcaster commentator life dude you think so like i think him, so because he just looked like he was missing a step dude and mm. mind you michelle Pereira, he's a tall dude but i felt like santiago i felt like he just didn't i mean michelle Pereira could be a fucking middleweight at this point he looked so he, much bigger dude right but he got that lanky bill too he, yeah. interesting you know i'm, I'm kind of curious to see like in the future like well, where do you think Apera goes from here? Like, where do you think in terms of, uh, uh, like, is he, Dude, does he you, get kind of considered you, into one of the contenders or? No. Did you see the headlines? So he, they were saying like he fabricated something like Jorge Masvidal was in his, his wife's DMs and then Jorge Masvidal put out this screenshot that, uh, that oh, she had wife just, had She had DM'd just actually. Him. Right, but it was just like good luck on your next fight. But that's still kind of thirsty, don't you think? Still (laughs) kind of thirsty. No. Why? Why are you gonna? Can I say this? He's a top. He's one of the top three paid in the fucking UFC, and then like now he's getting DMs from someone else's wife. But it's not. It's but you respond to the story. True. You know, it wasn't just like, hey, how are you doing? So, Sean, can I say something? You're falling for that whole MMA bro thing. Yeah. I, where it's just like where it's I'm just, all just about like it. An, where an innocuous DM <laughs> is just kind of like highlighted and and kind of yeah. uh, exaggerated. It's, it's like what happened to shit talking. Now it's DMing. Don't, don't don't be a bro, Sean. Don't be an MMA bro. Come on, make it was that, really make nothing. that fight happen though. Come on, guys. I, I I think that's basically what Ferra did. I think he manufactured drama and Masvidal manufactured <laughs> drama because they're they're trying to make money yeah, and they're trying totally. to like. Meanwhile, when you look at the copy of the DM, it was just like, it was something on Masvidal's story where he announced a title fight and Ferrer's wife just said, hey, good luck. And yeah. Masvidal <laughs> says, hey, thank you. And that was it. So if there wasn't anything weird going on here. It's good just luck. Like super, <laughs> super, MM, super, super MMA, MMA bro, super MMA bro-y shit. That's, it's so stupid. Nothing, there's nothing there. Um, but... But he does does a lot for his like uh, his stock there, you know. Hopefully. What what happens to Bonsanibio? Oh man, he's not even ranked anymore, dude. Like, it's, still a good fighter though. Still a, still good, a fighter, good fighter, but he should. I don't know. He could be a gatekeeper at this point, man, because he's on that commentator life. He's not. I don't think he's gonna get on any winning streaks or like top ten fights anymore. He's not even ranked at this point, so I think he should seriously. Com- consider his his exit plan at this point let's uh well he's got that what has he got the uh um commentator stuff right yeah dude (laughs) you know ufc 
Spain or Spanish USB, dude. Why not, dude? Get a get a podcast, Ponzinibbio. You got a great. There name. you go. Yeah, everybody has a podcast. How about how about <laughs> fucking Chitty Bang Bang in Jakawani, dude? What? Oh, the so fuck? super impressive. Against super a impressive. fucking Russian? Is he a Russian? I don't know. Todor- Todor- Todorovich. Todorovich. Yeah. Um, you know what's so funny? There's uh this one um uh satire uh, account on Instagram uh that covers MMA. It's a uh, that jokingly said that Daniel Cormier was super, super surprised at Chitty being able to win a fight, even though he's a professional oh, MMA fighter. I didn't see that. <laughs> it was funny. It was just, it's just, you know, like sometimes like some of these announcers put so much on these, like, wow, how did you do this? And it's just, well, I'm a professional MMA fighter and I know how to fight. And I know how to do this stuff. Stop acting so surprised. I didn't want to fight. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think people were super surprised that uh, uh, Chitty's showing off like like his well-roundedness in this fight, really. Um, but how did you see that unfolding? Dude, I to be honest, I was watching the fight, right? And then all of a sudden I heard, I could have sworn I heard someone say that both of the guys were black belts in jiu-jitsu. Is that, am I going nuts? I remember uh, I hearing. I don't know if I heard that. I don't know if I heard that. I heard something like that and I was just like, wait, Chitty, Chitty's not a black belt, is he? Anyway, there was a point where there was a wrestling exchange or like a grappling exchange uh, between yeah. the two. And I think Chitty did a really good job at getting back to his feet. And then, you know, it, it essentially led to the elbow that, yes. um, that shocked the world. And did you, were you practicing that on your uh, Instagram over there? I wasn't practicing that particular elbow or that mm-hmm. particular exchange. Uh, but, it, you know, this is one of those those techniques, you know, which, uh, that I don't think is used enough in I, MMA. I totally and, what, agree. and what I mean is that attacks from disengaging from the clinch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So this is something that my, my Muay Thai coach Armando was really big on is that when you disengage from the clinch, like hit them with something on the way out. Yeah. Like hit them with something on the way out. Uh, whether it's a, whether it's a kick, whether it's a knee, whether it's an, you know, you feel like the clinch is about to break. Yeah. Like hit them and then make a break. Yeah. You know, so, and this one was just right in the standing clinch and and Chitty just like nailed him and it just, sh- with an elbow out of the clinch yeah. and just like shot, shot him dead, knockout. Like a shoot him dead knockout. It was super balanced looking, yeah. super impressive. And I think hopefully what I, I hopefully... Well, what I want to happen is I want to see more techniques like that out of the standing clinch. I think people, and for good reason, when people are in the clinch, they get very concerned about the grip fighting. Where are the hands? Break the grips. Clear clear out, disengage. But there are so many openings from the time of the clinch to the time when the clinch breaks where – a kick can be thrown where a punch or an yeah. elbow can be thrown. Yeah. So I think hopefully this starts a trend in that direction because it can, it can add another wrinkle to everyone's clinch game yeah. where it's just, where it's just not enough to break off their grips. Now you got to worry about whether they're going to throw that elbow at me as we were separating. Yeah. So, so uh, it was a great technique. It was a beautiful technique. You know, what was also crazy was this was during, I don't, know if i'm saying this right but 
there was a point where they were in kind of like the plum and I think Chitty had, cause you know, when you, when you pummel through, you know, when you're going through a clinch situation in, in Muay Thai, you're, you're in the plum and then they, they snake in. And, and I think there was a weird exchange where Chitty had uh, the left arm that he had, it was in the plum, but then uh, Chitty's right arm was actually on the outside of the plum. Like, cause I think he was trying to pummel in, but then, he ended up pulling uh, Todorovic's head with his left, and then all of a sudden, Chitty comes up, kind of like an overhand elbow, almost. Yeah. But it was like, but it, it landed flush, and I was just like, "Damn!" I, yeah. I remember you even texted me like right off the bat, and I was just like, "God, damn!" Yeah, that, that was well. The the technique was just so clean. Well, dude, he's it was a so fucking, clean. He's you know his family and his brother. You know they they were known as elite kickboxers, man. So yeah, that technique to him, he's known. You know, he's been doing that for years. So that's why it looks so good. Yeah. So it's just the muscle memory just took over in that yeah. instance. Huh? And not that's only nice. that, he got a performance of the night for that. So he, he, no, he came up a, 50 grand, you know? I mean, it was a, a great finish. It was yeah. a fantastic finish. Was there any other fights on this that you uh, that you thought were no, amazing? I'll be honest. I wasn't able to catch all of them because uh, no my Saturday got like stacked up. Was there anything that caught your eye? Obviously, my... My dying piece fight with uh, Tabitha Ricci, you know, it was it was a unanimous decision, <laughs> but I just liked watching the fight. Anyway, uh, ah, other you than simp. that, you simp. Oros Medic <laughs> knocks out Omar Morales. Omar Morales, uh, I think he was coming off the Contender Series. He, he had a really good uh, run going, but unfortunately, he falls uh, victim to that. The MVP for me, Chase Hooper versus Felipe Colares. Hey man, weren't you uh, picking I was, against Chase I was Hooper? because I thought he was. <laughs> I thought you know he's still a young kid. I thought this was going to be his, his exit papers. Luckily, he freaking finished him and possibly saved his job. And then uh, that's there, always nice to keep yeah, working. And then there was also the Sam Hughes Elise Reed uh, MVP to her because she called out Daniel Cormier for saying that she can't. You know she's a she's a quitter and whatnot. <laughs> but she, she called him out right on the fucking mic. So. MVP to her too. In your face, Stansel. Yeah. <laughs> There's also the uh, Eagle FC card that happened. Yeah, let's talk about it. You know, Junior Dos Santos fought Jorgen De Castro, oh, and man. and uh, basically, Junior Dos Santos lost because he dislocated his own shoulder. It's uh, unfortunate. It, it's so bad. And I remember last week we were talking about non-contact injuries. You know, Junior Dos Santos threw a, a right straight. Yeah. I think if it correct me if I'm wrong if I'm if not if I'm not remembering this correctly, but Junior DeSantos threw a right straight that yeah. and then he pulled his arm back and then then just you could see you could see, see the the bone sticking out from under the skin a little yeah. bit. It's it's just and Jorgen like, was like, hey, look at his shoulder. Look at his shoulder. It's such a it was such a weird situation because yeah. uh, usually the opponents don't stop it like that, but it was just so gross. That even the Castro was like, "Hey, something's wrong over here." Yeah. <laughs> so, or he was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna win this fight." <laughs> yeah, he was good at that. So uh, I mean, Jorgen, Jorgen Castro technically wins. I had um, I had Dos Santos kind of winning the fight at that. I mean, up until that point, just by a little bit. Yeah, but did he look great though? Did he? I mean, Junior Dos Santos was starting to look pretty good. I mean. Considering he went, he came from BKFC, but yeah, I mean, it's not like he was Junior Dos Santos, the guy that knocked out freaking uh, 
Kane Velasquez, like Kane yeah. and uh, and Nelson, but uh, but I, but hey, you know, I'll say this: um, if he gets that shoulder fix, Khabib still wants to make him and Fedor a fight. Even is it more? Lost. Is it is it worth it at this point? I mean, God, it's just like you're, t- you're dealing with older, damaged goods with both of these guys, right? Yeah. I mean, how much money could there possibly be in it? But I guess you know, you know, people have recency bias; they might forget about this soon enough, and just they'll just just they'll see the name, you know, they'll yeah. see the names, and they might still sign up to buy. Uh, I did not get to see Hector Lum. Yeah, I didn't get to see Hector Lombard versus eh, Thiago Silva. Either. What happened there? I don't know. Honestly, like I didn't get to I didn't get to see majority of the fights, but apparently I don't know if he got kicked in the nuts or if there was a freaking eye poke, so I have no clue. That sucks uh, because okay. we are an MMA podcast and we don't yeah know but we got other but, shit know, going on like I, one i didn't want to freaking pay for flex cast or all this other shit <laughs> i mean you know the rest of the fights were okay i mean shout out to maki Batolo for a knockout and an old school ufc vet roosevelt roberts he ended up winning as well but other than that i mean you know i think our yeah, brains and- were kind of like chilling, like fried fried from all the freaking <laughs> shit that's you know that was a pretty long fight night for the UFC, and then yeah, oh, yeah. Well. But but then um, there's no no UFC this yeah, weekend. Yeah, there's no fights and no this Bellator. Weekend, really. There's no there's no Bellator for like another couple of weeks actually. Yeah. Uh, what you got going on this weekend, dude? Uh, it was supposed to be Memorial Day weekend. We we're supposed to go camping. We we're supposed to go to a friend's house to go to a pool. But my kid, uh, my oldest, came down with he didn't come down with COVID or anything. He just has a leaky nose, which. You know, we're being very weary about, you know, we're just tra- taking the precautions because, yeah. you know, COVID cases are coming coming up right now, especially in the schools, man. Uh, my nephew, his half of his school pretty much had to get shut down because of COVID. And, you know, the oh, cases wow. are coming up right now. So everyone be careful uh, with what you do over the Memorial Day weekend. So we pretty much had to cancel all of our plans. And, you know, he got to train on Monday, which he did some situational sparring and, Oh, he cool, sparred cool. on Friday as well. Is he so, is he getting more comfortable throwing oh, yeah. punches and kicks at his the friends? The only one thing that I would have to say is that, you know, when me and him pretend spar and whatnot, you know, he kicks the shit out of me, man. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when he goes against, like, the other guys, I understand. He just doesn't want to hurt anybody. And, you know, he's, he's still learning and he's still kind of uh, – he's still getting his, his bearings as far as – the confidence in striking. And I had a very good conversation with, uh, with Mark Tabuso and, and, you know, his kid competed not too long ago at the development league. Yeah. And, and he had a very good point. And he said that, you know, he, he, he was very concerned about his son getting into the sport because he knows that him being around it this much, especially because Mark is an instructor and he was a, a competitor for the longest time. Mm-hmm. He knew that his kid would probably either resent this or not even want to do it. So he's just happy with the fact that his son is committed to just coming in and just having fun, you know? Yeah, like not, yeah. Not Make it- getting the pressure of competitions or getting better or because um, he's told me there's there's parents out there and, and I've seen it firsthand with my sister-in-law. Sorry, she doesn't listen to this, but she tries <laughs> to fucking coach her kid on the side and it's like, dude, leave it to the experts and let them have fun. The more you start yelling and you start fucking getting into the mix – it puts a weird feeling in them kids. So yeah. 
let them have fun and let them have, you know let them do their things i'm a huge proponent on them having fun in this type of shit because once you start yelling and fucking being outspoken about it it turns them off man do yeah you agree no with i that, agree with that, no Carlo? i absolutely i absolutely agree i mean there's there's enough there's a point where you can encourage them and encourage their interest but once you start becoming uh overbearing and micromanaging their training and uh and getting super involved it can create resentment because in a lot of ways like you know the mat space is also a break for the kid away from the parent you know and you have to let kids kind of just deal with each other at the same time so that they learn how to self-regulate yeah um it's part of them growing up to be people so so parents chill out yeah. All right, just chill, chill out. out. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend, man? Uh, the only big thing is uh, we're at, we do we're having uh jujitsu belt promotions over at Cojaldo <gasps> Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I'm are you getting, getting your I'm, stripe, dude. I'm getting I'm getting my first Fuck stripe on my yeah, black belt. Dude. So uh, congrats. All it means, all it really means, is that I'm just getting older. That's all it really means. <laughs> no, but you're <laughs> getting older. That's the and only thing. I'm just though, getting old. You're getting, getting older. Though, that's dude. all it means. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, thank you, thank you, appreciate it. And then a couple of uh, we we're getting a couple of um, old school guys that are finally getting their black belt. Really? Uh, so that's gonna be exciting. Do they know this? Uh, yeah, they they made the announcement. So Fuck. we don't do the surprise stuff anymore. Because remember, we were talking. We don't do we yeah, don't yeah. gauntlet people. <laughs> Why don't you just do it this time? Gauntlet, gauntlet them anyway. <laughs> yeah, surprise gauntlet. Here, the belt's not a surprise, but this gauntlet is. Everyone, <laughs> let's go beat their asses. Uh, <laughs> So excited about that, you know, yeah. especially, um, I don't know if you remember uh, Dave Fong. Yeah. Is he uh, getting Dave promoted? Fong, Dave Fong's getting his black belt. Fucking Dave, dude. Yeah, man. Congrats, so, man. I've known the guy for so long and, you know, we even trained together for a little bit when he was, you know, seeking some knowledge from Darren. But, you know, for the most part, Dave Fong is, he's a staple in this community because yeah. of fight styles and, you know, his photography work with at the yes. MMA events and. Not to mention the merch that he creates for some of these gyms and like yeah. the logos and stuff. So that dude's an ambassador for the sport, especially here in the city. So congrats to Dave Fong, man. You're a fucking asshole. I'm kidding. You're a great dude. Great job. Hate, 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 hate. <laughs> I think I just want my blue pillar in. Hey, dude, you're about to get stay, stay with the training. There's no way that you've got to get it. I'm hoping, I'm hopeful for you, bro. I'm Thank hopeful you, for man. you. Thank you're the you. next one. You're next one. <laughs> Hopefully, fuck, man. I'm hey, I'm thinking about competing maybe at the end of June at this World League, man. So we'll see what happens, dude. If you when when you do that, the next episode we we do should be centered around your experience there. Yeah, we'll just talk about training for it, the actual competition, yeah, the partying afterwards. <laughs> It'll be <laughs> the we'll, drugs. We'll, no. we'll, whoa, whoa, what are we doing? What, what kind of podcast is this? <laughs> uh, but so, bro, I I gotta head yeah, out to yeah, jujitsu. Yeah. But uh, mind you, but, I gotta uh, I gotta come to this afternoon class that you keep talking about, man. I want to know. I want to train with you, man. We haven't trained yeah, jujitsu together, man. We gotta Roll do this. Through. But Roll uh, through, man. Uh, again, uh, guys, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to hit. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Sean Pierre. Oh, Sean underscore Pierre underscore. What's yours? Hopkey one on on Instagram. Hopkey eleven on Twitter. Oh yeah, and don't and forget. That- yeah, don't forget to plug. Who is it? Cojaldo Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu 
and Hapkido USA in the Sunset District. We also have our uh, Muay Thai program there as well, guys. Up and running. And uh, shout out to uh, uh, Sensei John and Joshu hey. Ryan over at uh, Sama Martial Arts in Pinole. Congratulations, guys. Shout out. Don't forget to hit up Magala Jiu-Jitsu in the Mission, Fight Culture at Top of the Hill, Daily City, and Omni Movement in Hercules, I think. And, uh, and Pacific, Pacific Ring Sports in Oakland, guys. And there's uh, the Resistance on the uh, No fights this weekend, guys, but uh, there is no event coming up after that, so it should be a big one. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Mask up. Unless you, <laughs> unless you want some. Unless you really mean it. Unless you really mean it. <laughs> Peace. Peace, guys.